The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator Jamie Upps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week I'm joined by a freelance social commentator who lists their favourite movie as American Psycho and favourite TV show as Yellowstone. Welcome back to the show, Blake Robinson. Hello, Jamie. Thank you for having me. We're back. It's always good to have you, and I think we're going to... what. Do two or three weeks in a row now? Bro, we're just rolling out heavy hitters at the moment. Just just the big ticket item. Looking back at the list. We've had some <laughs> we've had some big ones. Yeah, I was, I was like prepping our end of year awards and I'm looking at the list being like, holy crap, there's some contenders in here for all of these awards. What a year. Bro, that's um it's all like yesterday. I was going through the uh, odds on sports bet for best picture at the Oscars and it's <laughs> it's stacked. For a year that's had like hiccups and whatnot, we've um, somehow been absolutely gifted. But does that mean we're ha- having an off year next year? A year with Hollywood shut down for, what, was it nearly three months? Yeah, 180 days or something. We got some big, big movies this year, so interesting. And they're still coming. Oh, yeah. They're going to be really sque- squeezed out right to the end. Yeah, the, the next month or so with screenings and previews and all that sort of stuff is insane. Yeah, we've been, um, we've been gifted, but I think... Have we, I don't know, I wouldn't call this the last. I was going to say we've saved the best to last potentially today, but what, one of the best for one of the last, maybe. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of what's to come this year, and Wonka is like the last big one that could be the the shocker. Could topple the lot, you reckon? It could be the shock one, but the, the trailer didn't do a lot for me. See, that's right. This is what... When we've had this discussion, like this is another one for Wonka. I haven't watched the trailer because I've just like I know I want to say I've seen I like Wonka and Timothy Chalamet. That's pretty much all I needed to know. Yeah, fair enough. Just quickly, have we both worn football jerseys though? Uh, I've worn a. Is that Dragon Ball Z? A football inspired Dragon Ball Z jersey. <laughs> That's gangster ass. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah, I've got I've got this one. It's the. The uh, Freezer-inspired one, and then I've also got one that's that, Goku. It's black and gold. It looks great. That's so good. Oh, bro, you got to roll the Goku one out next, next week for <laughs> sure. Game. I need to see that. <laughs> Write that down, and we'll put that on next week. So, yep. so yeah, this week, we are traveling back in time to the French Revolutionary era as we become enthralled in Ridley Scott's pseudo-historical biopic drama movie thing about Napoleon Bonaparte. Not Napoleon Dynamite. No, very, very different Napoleons. Do not get them twisted. Or, although, are they all that different? No, not at all. They were very on the autism spectrum. Right. After watching uh, this Napoleon in particular, not too far off Napoleon Dynamite. Yep. Have you ever seen them in the same room? I was, I'll just <laughs> let that sit in the air. But uh, yeah, so Napoleon is an epic that details the checkered rise and fall of the fabled French emperor and his relentless journey to power. Uh, and then, as I wrote in my review, in doing so, this film cements why the term Napoleon complex 
is so common in modern day vernacular. So common that I've never heard it. You have never heard of someone having a Napoleon complex? Nah, man, nah. It's the short man syndrome. 100%. Because he was fabled to be shorter than the average man, which they make a joke of in this movie. So is that where the term short man syndrome comes from? Shout out to all my short kings out there, but <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. You, they're the biggest one, the shortest in the crowd, but they're also the biggest. That's a Napoleon complex. And this particular Napoleon Bonaparte, how was portrayed in such that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he is the he is the inspiration for that term. Potentially, only only child vibes too could be present there. Yeah, I don't know. You might have to check the tapes, but I doubt he's got siblings the way he carried on. <laughs> yes, very much so. <laughs> but yeah, did did you notice the um the short man joke in the movie as well? No, I didn't. There were a lot of people uncomfortably taller than him, though. Yeah, everyone was taller than him, and then even his missus. When they go to Egypt and they exhume the the mummy, yes, and he tries to he tries to look at it face to face and has to grab box. I was like, that's great. Yeah, he grabbed the crate. I um, I thought that was I did notice that, but I also noticed the mummy's feet were like a foot off the ground too in that coffin. Is that what they call them? Coffins? Sarcophagus. Egypt Egyptians called them a sarcophagus. Oh, not uh, sarcophagus. What's that thing in your throat? <laughs> That's your esophagus. Esophagus. Don't get them mixed up. <laughs> Very different things. <laughs> Very. Yeah, look, you need context there. Um, no, yeah, so it wasn't a speaking joke. It was a subtle little dig. And that was just one of the many comical aspects of this movie. That caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting this to be so uh, laughable. Yeah, there were a lot of silly moments and... Like every time he hit that fang doggy, he just went went at it for about a minute. Like a fifteen year old boy, like the first time he's ever <laughs> first time he's ever had the intercourses. So funny. It just made those straight up Jack Rabbit for like thirty seconds and then he's like In and out operator, getting the job done. I love the first time they show it and he, he just goes to town for like thirty seconds, he's done and then he's like let that hard work make us a baby. It's like, uh, that wasn't hard work, bro. Yeah, that just goes to show. He wasn't in the field of making love, was he? He really just wanted a baby and it was by any means necessary. Yep. They didn't shy away from the sexy time scenes in this and the naughtiness, did they? This movie had a bit of everything. Oh, yeah. I would say it's definitely more for like your big action epic people because like history buffs are going to get annoyed with this movie too. 100%, bro. They, no one, you can't please everyone. But there's a lot of inaccuracies historically in this too. Yeah, I reckon there would be. I haven't um, had the time of day to go and uh, hit the wikis yet, but it will be done, know that. We'll touch on some of those at the end. About this having a little bit of everything in it, it doesn't really, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't land when you have these big, spectacular, gruesome battle movies about serious events in history, then you throw in the giggles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't land and it just completely takes away from it. I'm still undecided whether that occurred here or not. Probably not if I'm just going to make the call now. What do you reckon? I think the parts where Napoleon is like kind of weird and silly work because it like fits his sort of character where he's just like this awkward dude. But then like there's a moment when they when they overthrow the, the government and Napoleon anoints himself as the emperor. One of the uh, wives of the politicians that gets like dragged out of his breakfast, I was like, she's overacting something hard in this scene and it's it's just goofy. I was like, this looks dumb. Yeah, it looks shit. Uh, she was like, ah, ah, 
She was like an MP, NPC just when the, the PlayStation's frozen. She's like, yeah, like a cartoon character. Yeah, I, that, that, was, oh, that was cringe as well, man. That was tacky. I was like, oh, that took me out of that part. Yeah, it was like she was acting in the opera or something. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that too, and I didn't like that. But I'm willing to look past it. But yeah, all the Napoleon like just being awkward and weird, I was like, that, that seems to fit. Yeah, completely fair. But I didn't know the bloke, but if he was weird like that, then play on, I reckon, with the giggles in a serious movie. In terms of the cast, I wrote down sort of three names. And for me, there was like, there's a lot of people in this movie, but there's really only two that we really pay any attention to. Joaquin Phoenix as Napoleon Bonaparte, and then Vanessa Kirby as Empress Josephine. And then there was one other person that kind of had a very important role, even though it was maybe two minutes. Catherine Walker as Marie Antoinette. Oh, of No Longer Has a Head fame. Yes, guillotine, two minutes into the movie, done. You know what else happened two minutes into another Ridley Scott film that happened in this film? Uh, a decapitated head mm-hmm. at the start of Gladiator, mm-hmm. remember? Literally the opening scene, that soldier comes back on the horse with no head, then old mate's up in the bushes holding the head with his axe. <gasps> so I noticed that straight away. There is that, so that is a, I don't know if you call that, an Easter egg for the fan of Ridley Scott, or it's just, just that's just what it is, or if it's just completely unintentional, non-coincidental. It is like a nice little callback to Gladiator, as like yeah, nod. It's a nod. It's a nod. This is like this is my next tip of the my hat. next historical epic about a an emperor. So let's do, let's yeah. kind of mimic the same opening. So yeah, the you, you, I like it. I like that when they don't beat around the bush and there's no little slow burn intro and they're just straight into it. They get you on the edge of your seat and get your attention straight away. Yeah, we get like that opening crawl with like the little like setting the setting the tone and the, the context with the little write-up on, oh, this is what's happened to yeah, get yeah. us to this point. And then we're straight into it. Marie, Marie Antoinette is getting taken to the guillotine. It's like, holy, we're, we're right in this now. And they don't shy away from showing that either. I knew, I, like, I knew they would and I was so ready for it. Like I was like, and I was hoping for it as well. I'm like, they better show the shit out of this, yeah. and they did. I was like, yeah, and they they showed more than I expected, like holding the head up. The one thing I was hoping for, and they didn't do, was throw the head into the crowd and let the crowd have it. <laughs> let them absolutely have it. That's what I wanted. The old lady sitting next to me in the cinema was definitely not prepared. <laughs> uh yeah, I was. Um, I had those two old ladies in the back of my mind during a lot of these scenes in the movie, just wondering how they would take it. Uh, use of the word slut in reference from Napoleon to his mistress. Wife. Yeah, his, his straight-up wife. Well, straight-up wife. Yeah, yeah, Napoleon went full cuck in this movie, didn't he? And, like, wore it. Like, didn't really care. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, there were some awkward moments. I don't want to jump too far ahead here before we get too far gone. Uh, when you mentioned actors in this movie... Bill Nye definitely wasn't in this movie, was he? I do not believe so. As the leader, forgive me, of Britain's army. Ah, uh, from the Battle of Waterloo? No. No, no, definitely not. That was Rupert Everett, I believe. Arthur Wellesley. Yeah, he, yeah, they, they, both those names would check out. But yeah, it was, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix, like, he's clearly the centerpiece of this whole movie as the movie is Napoleon, so it's going to focus majority on him, but. Vanessa Kirby has a pretty big role as Josephine and yeah, the whole story revolves around their relationship and how their weird messed up relationship 
impacts what he does. Impacted France today, essentially. Yeah. So I just want to touch on Hugo Queen, Phoenix. I've been reflecting all day about this and his performance, like it, it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't show-stopping. It didn't steal the show. But it wasn't bad. It was everything it needed to be. I don't think it just it wasn't great. But he did what he needed to do in this, and it didn't steal the show. The show being the epic that is the movie. Yeah, the the battle sequences are the standout of the movie. So if you want like best supporting actor nominations for this movie, you would have to nominate the battle scenes as a supporting actor because they carry this movie, didn't they? The battle scenes. This is this is what you come for. And they didn't disappoint. Um, I'm going to go on the record now and say the best fighting scenes in cinema history. I'll say it. Oof, big call. I would say they're definitely the best, like, war scenes since maybe Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know. I've thought about this. <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was comfortable putting it above Lord of the Rings because I, as I was walking out of the cinema, I was like, oh, no, like, are these better? Like, I think they were better than Lord of the Rings just because they every battle felt unique. They didn't all feel like the same thing. And it showed off like Napoleon's technical brilliance in all of them. Like he won each battle in a different way. The one on the ice was just mind blowing. I never wanted that to end. Yeah, that was great. When he trapped them on the ice, that was just masterful stuff. So on the on the whole thing of the battles, as I was watching the movie, I'm taking my notes like usual. And there was a few words that I wrote down as the movie was going along that I thought really captured what this movie meant to me. And those words were raw, intense. Visceral, gruesome, savage, unrelenting, and merciless. Merciless. Good words. Because he did not give two shits about anyone. Like, as soon as they started to retreat, he was like, chase him down, kill them all. But, and, and it shows, it landed him in hot water a few times. Yeah, well, particularly when he got exiled the first time, when he took six, what, 600,000 men to Russia and came back with 40, and they're like, what have you done? It's mental, hey. How many did you lose in the end? Three million or something? Yeah, according to records, it's estimated between two and three and a half million. What do we think about guy uh, Sar Alexander? I have no idea who that actor was, but um, did a pretty good job. Yeah, seemed fine. Did a pretty good job. Um, also, a bit of a little only child vibes there. Yeah, except he, he had the sister, didn't he? He had sisters. He had he he definitely had sisters. Couple of sisters. Yeah, I was hoping we um. Got a bit more context. So that's what another thing with this movie. There was, um, I think we mentioned it. Could have been. Like, what was it? Just shy of three hours. So it clocked in at two hours and thirty-eight minutes, but it it moves at a brisk pace. Yeah, it um, caught me off guard when it sort of wrapped up. It's like the uh, Sports Center highlight reel of Napoleon's life. Yeah, literally. That's what I was about to say. This could have been a six-hour movie. A lot of like. A lot of stuff was thing, things oddly brushed over. A lot of little small details, things like they mentioned and like stuff like that. He went to that dinner party. Napoleon went to the dinner party and met Sars sisters. Stuff like that. You sort of want to go back and like see those sorts of scenes. Those little, I don't know, three to five minute like filler scenes. But it's just it'd just be this the longest film ever if they added all that sort of stuff in. But we got what we wanted. Just absolute brutal, epic, gory graphic battle scenes that's what you that's what you're watching this movie for and you got that just sort of going back to some of the performances and stuff like you mentioned like Joaquin Phoenix didn't like steal the show for you I think the biggest point of praise I can give to his performance is he captures like the two sides to Napoleon's personality like you have the 
really confident, assured battlefield general who knows precisely what he wants to do in every moment. And then you have awkward child like Napoleon when he's around his wife. Very awkward, hey, and absolute, like I said, absolute cuck mode in this. Like just keeps taking it back after everything. Um, after it goes public that she was sleeping around while he was overseas and he's coming home. And and then he like, he tries to be really forceful and commanding of her, like tries to say that, get her to say that I would have been nothing, like she'd be nothing without him. And then she just flips it and turns it straight back on him. And he's copying that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like you've obviously can't be all there to be what <laughs> these blokes were. So yeah, like I, th- I think that's probably the the biggest praise I can give to Joaquin for his performance in that aspect. That's what I said. He did he did nothing wrong. He did everything he needed to. He did a great job of it. I can't fault it. But I think we we've just we've just put him on a pedestal lately of just doing absolute incredible performances. And I think people that sort of maybe expect that now, like from now on, every single movie. But like I said, the, the movie isn't like it is about him. And it is a biopic, but he the whole sole thing isn't him Stanley's show as Napoleon. It's what Napoleon did. Yeah, I got very um Joker vibes in moments as well. I was like, he's just doing the Joker character. Joker can't be unseen. Yeah. I'm thinking the same thing. Everything he does, especially the close-ups as well. And he, I don't know, because he has got a unique face like with that scar on his top lip. All these sort of roles do seem the same in a way. And the way he does his like quirky little movements and laughs. And I think, has he got like a bung shoulder or something, like a drop shoulder? Like he sort of is a very unique looking human. So every time he does the role, it's so they're all very similar. Yeah, it's hard for him to sort of blend in. It's just like, oh yeah, he's just there. Yeah. And all his mannerisms, like they're great and everything he does, but it's all the same for each role. Take nothing away from him. Like he's brilliant in this. Absolutely brilliant. But yeah, it's not don't go into this thinking it's gonna be another Oscar worthy performance, because it wasn't that. But I will say I did have the thinkings of going into this that it could be a best picture smoky for this year, taking out a few other top dogs. And I um, don't know, I'm, I'm going to leave that to the judges. Take nothing away. I would probably still put this in my top five for the year. Of the year? Easy. But I don't think it, it doesn't go into my top three of this year, which I'm not going to spoil because that's a award. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm just trying to quickly crunch in my head what five about. I think the top three is pretty unanimous, and I'd be shocked if you have something other than what my three are in your top three. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely unanimous. I've, I've definitely got one that you wouldn't have, but apart from – I know that the top two is probably pretty solid. So Barbie and uh, – <laughs> joking, 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 joking. Back to this masterpiece, I'm calling it, because it is. I've just, I've just I've hyped up these battle scenes. And I, but the trailer is one of those trailers that give off absolute – epic film vibes just massive massive cinema and i went into that expecting that a lot like i try not to these days go into films expecting anything or expecting a certain thing but i went into this specifically for just epic big cinema big screen battles and it absolutely delivered it gave me more than what i thought oh yeah it was so much more graphic and gory than i could have hoped one fault can we please stop showing horses get brutally oh. killed in war, war movies? This has to stop. I don't want to say it. I do not want to say it. There's a lot of horses get slaughtered and the first horse death, that was full on. Bro, like maybe, yeah, or if you have to do it, do it once, not like repetitively seeing horses get fucked up. 
Oh, I hate it, man. It breaks my heart seeing horses get hurt. Don't do it. I guess at least the first one went quick. Some of them are absolutely yeah, brutal. I hate that. Yeah, that, that. Those poor horses. That first one, I was like, holy. That immediately sets the tone for what's to come in some of these battles. You're like, okay, it's, this is going to be full on. Yeah, what else are we going to see here? And what does he say when he retrieves the cannonball and he gives it to old mate? It's, does he say give that to your mother or something? He says that's for mother, to give back to his mother. Because I think that might have been a horse or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, no, oh, that's kind of gross. Quite etch. Um, yeah, I don't want to say it. We've seen it in All Quiet on the Western Front as well, and I just need to stop now. <laughs> We've seen enough. I saw horses didn't get injured in or uh, Lord of the Rings. We didn't see it, did we? I don't think there were even horses in Lord of the Rings, were they? Apart from like the elves and they were just like heaps far away shooting arrows. Um, yeah, maybe Legolas's horse gets caught under one of them big elephant's feet or something, maybe. But anyway. Nothing like gruesome where it looks like a real horse is taking a cannonball to the chest. It's messed up. But yeah, I, I couldn't get enough of the, like, the graphic and the gore in this. And just the scale of these, the scale of these battles too, like three, four, five hundred men. It's like, oh, Jesus, these are huge. Yeah, just simply epic cinema. It's it's everything I wanted in this film. What I just touched on earlier about the massive Yo Queen Phoenix performance, I think I was half expecting that as well for some reason. I'll, I'll put my hand up and say I'm guilty of just expecting big things from him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I've, I've picked it out, singled it out and noticed it, that it, he didn't have a massive performance, maybe I'm subconsciously and let down by it. But I'm not. That's not getting in the way of the film for me. Like enjoying it. But I, the one bone, the one bone I do have to pick is I wish this. I wish it went longer. Yes, that was that was my going to be my point. So they show six of Napoleon's major battles, which is a minuscule amount in the grand scheme of things, because over his military career he fought something like sixty battles and then faced five coalition armies of different allies throughout his time as the emperor. So like to only show six battles is what, 10% of his whole military career. And because of that, like, like I meant, like we mentioned it, it's jumping big chunks of time and like skipping the, Huge. skipping the movie forward. And it's like five, 10 years at a time. Then when he goes away and comes back home, he's gone for eight months a year. Like so much time passes each time. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, for me, because it did that, it didn't give us enough time to sort of, let these battles sink in and give us give us time to sort of take in and understand the magnitude of the like casualties and the losses that France took in these battles. Like like we mentioned, there was one where he lost five hundred and sixty thousand men, and it's like I don't think there's any emotion in this either. Like you said, it's just pure entertainment in your face fighting. You don't really have enough time to get emotionally invested into anything. Napoleon's like the one character where you sort of have some sort of connection to. Every other soldier is just cannon fodder. Yeah, I don't even mean that. Soldiers are empress. I feel like she's probably the one you you resent at big time, but also she's probably the one you feel sorry for the most as well. She's like the – did you watch Breaking Bad? Nope. Okay. Well, that jokes that, – that line's on lost on you. Like, I felt like she was the, the Skylar White of this movie. Like, you're sympathetic for some of the stuff she's going through and how he's treating her. But then you also look at him like, she's not innocent in this whole situation. Like, she's doing just as much dodgy stuff back to him. It's like, they're both as bad as each other. Hey, while we're talking about her, two things 
touch on. She was pregnant when they met, yeah? Yes. Then all of a sudden she can't get pregnant. Yes. Because she was pregnant. She got pregnant in prison or whatever, yeah? Well, she had two kids. And she had two kids and she got pregnant in prison. Then what, ha- then what happened to that kid, eh? You just don't know. Maybe she had a miscarriage and then that's what caused her to be infertile from then or something. I think you know that. I'm going to run with that. And she ended up, I don't know, I haven't, like I said, I haven't checked the wikis. So I don't know how she died or what her certain virus or disease was. Do you think her little night with Sar Alexander, he poisoned her or gave her this sickness? That's the first thing I thought of. Because she got sick after she spent that night with him. Do you think he came over for little date nights and got her sick? Was that the Sar though? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, 100% was. Yeah, because remember the... Remember they show the newspaper front page, the headline, that he came over and, yeah, they. so that's what I was thinking. I was like, did he poison her? The old Russian poison job. Hey. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking there. You mentioned that just not being any emotion, like particularly with the battle sequences. Do you think maybe that was because like Ridley Scott was trying to get you to have the same sort of emotions that Napoleon seems to have where he really doesn't care about any of these people, like they are just... The cost of doing war, like he's the the battle you mentioned with the uh the, the ice and the lake. Yeah, he basically uses a whole battalion of guys down by the lake as bait. Yeah, knowing that they're going to get totally overrun by this incoming battalion. Like, eh, whatever. Once they get taken out, then we can force them off onto the lake and shoot the cannons. Yeah, he doesn't see these soldiers and his men as individuals. He sees them as France. I think. And, yeah, as weapons. Yeah, as weapons. And there's plenty of France to go around. Like, even if I have to give away some of this bread, I've still got heaps more bread left. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't – yeah, he's not a ta- – he just sees the soldiers and the army as one and he gives away enough to so he still has some. That was one of the things I wrote down. I was like, while he was tactically brilliant, particularly in that first battle where they overthrow the siege of Toulon, I was like, yeah, he was tactically brilliant in that. Like, the way he – plan that was they were always going to win but then like some of these other battles he was pretty much just winning because of brute force where he had the bigger army and like ruthlessness and sacrificing men yeah like there were tactics involved but it's pretty easy to win when your army's two or three times the size of the other one like your tactics can be average and you'll probably win that battle and then he gets to the battle of waterloo where he's the one that's like way way outnumbered and his tactics are shit well, because that, that was, I think things started to go wrong for him then. Yeah, yeah, that was the end. Like when the English actually worked out, okay, so he's going to send in cavalry, let's just make squares and then they're fucked. How good are those squares? Yeah. Impenetrable. Very smart. Oh, on their sort of the relationship between Napoleon and Josephine, there were some more words I wrote down for this. Awkward, a toxic relationship. Like they were bad for each other from the get-go. Love rooting. <laughs> yeah. Possessive. Both of them were very possessive and, like, neither of them wanted to, them to be with anyone else. They took it to the extremes. Neither of them wanted a, the other one to be with someone else, but they both wanted to be with others. Yes, and then that led to insane jealousy on both parts. Yep. But then forced to get a divorce, they clearly both still loved each other. They were just doing it because she couldn't get pregnant. You know, at a point there, I thought, you know, when they he got that young girl pregnant, after his mother set that up, that was weird. Yeah, it was so sad. I um, thought they were going to pretend like that was their kid. Mm-hmm. Eh? I thought that too. I think that's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted. Then he asked what he's one of his fellow generals to keep the secret, 
and he's like not keeping a secret like that against. I'm not gonna like against the state. Yeah, yeah, I can't lie to France. It's like, okay. But when they got divorced and they made a big public hoorah about it, I thought. And when she moved to that um, chateau out in the hills, I thought maybe that they're going to be still married, but officially divorced, but actually t- like they're still married, mm-hmm. like on the secret. Yep. And they were going to raise. She was going to raise that kid there, and just uh, yeah. But none of that sort of happened. It was a very, it was a very weird situation. So, so many little bits and pieces like that that I sort of wish were added in. And that's that's where uh, Rid- Ridley Scott spoke about that too, where people were saying, "Oh, well, it's only two and a half hours. Why did you only make? Why did? Why is it only two and a half hours? Like we've seen Oppenheimer that was three. We've seen Kills of the Flower Moon's like three and a half. And he basically said he feels two and a half is about as long as people can sit comfortably in a cinema without starting to feel like the movie's dragging, which. I kind of agree with. Yeah, I do. Depends what kind of movie it is, though. Like a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon, yeah, three and a half, probably pushing it. A movie like Oppenheimer, even three and a half, whatever, pushing it. A movie like this, you just don't want it to end. It's just action, action, action. And like I said, two what, two hours and 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, shit, is it done already? Mm-hmm. I was expecting so much more. And rarely when you are starting to be busting for a wee in a cinema and you hold out, you're like, that's game over and you can't construct the movie. I was busting for a wee in this. I could tell. All of a sudden, I didn't need a wee anymore. I just completely forgot because I was just, it was so much going on. And I just got so distracted. So I, I, this could have been three and a half, 345. I would have been so happy with that. You'll be excited to hear that the director's cut, which is Ridley Scott is hoping to that Apple will release on Apple TV Plus, it is four hours and 10 minutes. Hook that into me. But if I had a dollar for every time I heard there was a director's cut of a movie coming, I'd be a rich, rich man. Well, he's he's he has said that multiple times in interviews since the like global premiere. He's like, yeah, I've got a director's cut that's over four hours. At one point, he said four and a half, so it's been maybe trimmed a little bit. But yeah, it's the last time he spoke about it, he said four hours and ten minutes gives you a lot more on Empress Josephine and everything around her, which I think this movie needs. Hundred percent, because she's kind of secondary you just see bits every now and then like i said she's the only like she could have her own like priscilla movie couldn't she mm-hmm. jackie kennedy had a movie priscilla's got a movie why can't empress josephine have a movie like yes the movie is about napoleon but you think about it she's his emotional anchor like she's the one that kind of makes him normal and sane but also crazy <laughs> It's called Napoleon. I know it's meant to be about Napoleon. I don't think this movie is about Napoleon. It's about... History. Historical battles. It's it's about what Napoleon did, not so much about Napoleon. I don't know. It's it's very... I think there's a very fine line in it. Yeah. I think the one thing that made this movie, like, give you great insight into him were the voiceovers of uh, Joaquin reading, like, actual letters that Napoleon wrote to Empress Josephine. Were they? I was like, this is giving a lot of insight into sort of his mental state throughout all of these years where he was like intensely jealous, incredibly hungry for more and more power. Like he wanted to basically destroy England and conquer all of Europe. And he also had like an inferiority complex. Like he hated that anyone else could be better than him. How's all the letters got sold too? Yeah. And I think that's probably why we still have them. Like I feel like he probably would have burnt them. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Otherwise, the, this movie probably wouldn't exist. In terms of Napoleon, hates boats. Definitely, definitely hates boats. Um, yeah, that's a man who doesn't like being on the water. He does not like a boat at all. Uh, makes that no, makes that clear. Um, 
Yeah, he likes getting his toes in the ground. The Tony Abbott of the 1700s. <laughs> Turn back the boats. Bro, have you ever seen Tony Abbott and Napoleon Bonaparte in the same room? I haven't. That's another man with a Napoleon complex. Bro, they're not boat people. Speaking of Napoleon on a boat, how funny was that scene? When he's uh, sitting there having his English breakfast on the, that pommy ship mm-hmm. and um, just giving a little lesson to the young English soldier boys. Yeah, where he's just not not accepting that he was a failure and in any way. Yeah, uh, just in complete denial. Um, I thought that was one of the probably one of the better giggly scenes. Yeah, so to speak. That's pretty much everything I had in terms of notes while watching the movie. I had a couple more little small things to just touch on. Yeah, the costuming in this movie is beautiful. It'll win an Oscar without doubt. A thousand percent. Every costume in this, I was like, I could pause this and just study these costumes. Friggin' incredible. I was in awe the whole time. The the blokes, they just they dressed incredibly lit back then. Just the best. Huge fan. Full big like tuxedo suits all the time. The tails. The collars, bro, the high collars. I was like, oh my god, bring that back. <laughs> Forget Halloween. The next wedding I go to, I want to dress up as Napoleon in his in his dinner attire. With the with the big socks and the loafers. Saber and all. My late seventeen hundreds French men them out there. They they dress in the part. I want I want all that smoke. You gotta have the saber on your belt too, like full sword. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Nah, I'm all for it. And then the other note I wrote down, when they kick off their whole like, we're gonna throw out the government and we're gonna install Napoleon as the Emperor of France, the whole movie, they all speak English, obviously because it's a movie and like it's just trying to make it easier. But they don't say revolution. They say, we're going to have a coup d'etat. They just randomly drop in this one like French word, French saying. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation, the um, accent thing. I, when you, we first hear Napoleon speak, I was trying to pick up whether or not he had a French accent, but not just his normal American, you know, Queen Phoenix accent. Like, it didn't take me out of it. It was just, yeah, the one, the one time where they were like, oh, we're going to start a coup d'etat and I was like okay so we're just going to randomly use one French term in this whole movie well, I can look I can can see past this I'm not going to let it get to me because on the other end of the spectrum if they were all speaking French and I had to watch this in subtitles this would this would have been a rough watch in subtitles no thanks so carry on with your American accents I don't really mind I'll let it slide uh, so then a bit of trivia wise budget was between 130 and 200 million dollars which is probably still relatively low in terms of when you look at some of these battles and not only like the amount of people on screen, but the CG to also add to that as well. Like, yeah, 200 million, pretty cheap. I was expecting closer to three. I, uh, it was mind blowing. This movie is a reunion for Ridley Scott and Joaquin Phoenix, who last worked on Gladiator in 2000. Yeah. Which I read that and I was like, Gladiator was in 2000? Are you serious? I thought it was older than that. When I was doing research for this, um, you know how he, Goes through the whole like coronation ceremony, does everything the way he's supposed to, and then as the guy like goes to crown him, he just like steps in and like crowns himself. Apparently, he legitimately did that. I was like, "You cocky, arrogant prick." Yeah, I was um, I was wondering if he did, and I was happy to run with. Yes, he actually did do that. That was one of the like accurate things in the movie. I was like, "Wow." Yeah, I reckon there was a lot of little bits and pieces like that in this movie that I didn't realise, but he actually did do shit like that. And I've, I assume that would have been one of them for sure. The other trivia piece I had, this was filmed in only 61 days, which... That's mental. You look at some of those battles, like, that's a short period of time. And then in those battles, they used 11 cameras and filmed 
simultaneously on all 11 so which is why we get sort of all the changing camera angles and like you get so many different angles of those battles which gives it that real kinetic feel yeah well that's that's how they obviously cut out the (laughs) cut down the filming time yeah but then again there's obviously cameras in the shot of other cameras constantly yeah which is then where your cg artists get a lot of work cutting cameras out so then yeah we mentioned if you're a history buff you just got to put that aside because there are a number of historical inaccuracies which begin immediately in that opening scene with Marie Antoinette being executed. Napoleon was not actually there at the time, but in this movie he witnesses that and it's like, okay, yeah. You pick up on that, please show yourself a door. Like, just let it slide. Enjoy the movie. The next one that is seems to have ruffled a lot of feathers uh, when Napoleon is in that battle in Egypt under the Sphinx next to the pyramids and he, in the movie, shoots the the cannons at the pyramids. Yeah. That did not happen. They were apparently like seven miles away. Like you could see them, but they were not close enough to shoot. It never crossed my mind if that happened. I highly doubt it. You know what I was wondering if it actually happened? If they wore their full kit in the freaking Egyptian desert like that. Yeah, that would have sucked. These boys did not own shorts. No. And yeah, those coats were not like nice breathable cotton. They were thick wool coats no thank you yeah boys were built different back then wearing that shit out in the desert Uh, then they you see the the tactical map that they're doing with one of the battles and they show a belgian flag that could not have happened that flag was not created until 1830 15 years after that battle and nine years after napoleon's death i'm pretty sure i noticed that too (laughs) i was like oh okay belgian was belgium was not a thing there's my history buff and then at the age of 49, Joaquin Phoenix is technically too old to be playing Napoleon. Oh, shut up. Don't even say that. Because Napoleon was 24 during the Battle of Toulon, 27. How young was he? 27 eight? when he commanded the Army of Italy in Egypt and 35 when he crowned himself emperor. So Yeah, bro. When they, um, when they got married and they were saying what year they were born, I was like, hang on a minute. He's in his friggin' 20s, bro. Which I guess at the time was probably pretty old. Then I was like, what, what was I doing when I was 26? Not ruling France, that's for sure. Nah, not out there doing the damn thing, that's for sure. Not getting married, that's a, that's a hot take. In the marketing for this movie, they one of the taglines is, he came from nothing and conquered everything. He didn't conquer everything. Somewhat inaccurate because he was of minor nobility where he was born, so he kind of had a bit of a leg up where he could be sent away by his family to go and join the army, mm. like, universities, essentially, and get, like, trained. So Pretty dumb Taiwan, to be honest with you. He, he did conquer a lot of Europe at the time, which is why everyone's like, we need, we need to get rid of this guy. Yeah, it's not everything, though. Otherwise, Europe will be French. Imagine that today. Oh, uh, man, I don't want to think about different outcomes. I ha- When I, like feeling a bit frisky and I start thinking about alternative outcomes of like major events in history. I just like shake, I just shake it out of my thought. It's like, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, and then that battle of Austerlitz with the, the lake, apparently that's a bit of an exaggeration. There was no giant lake. There was just a bunch of like fishing ponds. So it did happen though. He did do that. Yeah. Apparently they just like forced guys onto the ice. Yeah. And because they were smaller ponds, like, and then he drained those ponds to see how many people died. And apparently no people died in those lakes and ponds or whatever they were. It was just like wagons and stuff got dragged down in it. Oh. Loosely based on some accurate information. There you go. 
the history buffs are going to be all over this. You mentioned the little sit-down powwow between Napoleon and the, the Duke of Wellington at the end in the British ship. Mm. They actually never met. Oh, really? That's a massive one. So that's a that's a big, like, no, that didn't ever happen. So it was fun. Oh, I don't know, but... Are we prepared to start picking apart every single biopic and getting the inact? Oh, people like people get hard for that sort of stuff, though. I eh? just enjoy it. What's in front of you, honestly? As Ridley Scott says in his response to these criticisms, get a life, bro. Get a life. Go outside and get some sunshine. He also said to a bunch of historians that were like, "Oh yeah, picking every minor detail apart." He was like, "When I have issues with historians, I simply ask." Excuse me, mate, were you there? No? Well, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, oh, bro, you weren't even there. So, yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm with Ridley here. Like, just go in and enjoy this movie for what it is. Like, no one ever claimed it was 100% factually accurate. Like, it's for entertainment. It's a movie, for Christ's sake. It's not a documentary. Yeah, you weren't even there, bro, honestly. So, yeah, that's Napoleon starring Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Ridley Scott. Mm. What would you rate Napoleon out of five? Well, before we just crunch the numbers right now, I had it at five. But after we brought a few things out on the table, the runtime is just, like I said, it's just a bit too short for me. It should have been an hour longer. A few things were missing. Maybe some of the gigglies or maybe too many gigglies. Maybe one or two gigglies, but there was a few too many, maybe. And I'm guilty for my own, what I brought up about people thinking it's going to be a show-stopping performance by European Phoenix. I think I got everything I wanted from the film as being an epic battle extravaganza, but I think I subconsciously did want it to be a better performance. Mm -hmm. So in saying that, I will be giving this Napoleon film four 0.8 decapitated heads out of five. Fair. I still gave this a five purely based on my scale of five being go and watch this as soon as you can and watch it, please, for the love of God, on the biggest possible movie screen you can find. A few people I've told to watch this, I've said, please help, please go watch it at a cinema. Do not watch this on your laptop, balancing on your knees in bed. Don't even think about it. For your first viewing of this, don't wait for this to be on Apple TV. Not only because of uh, the visual of what's in front of you, which is a lot, which is like a lot of it, but the sound you get from a cinema. Yeah, but those cannons and mortars going off, you need that. The sound, the sound is huge. And um, we actually seen this at the brand new IMAX in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, which I've been open a few weeks. Just a quick, quick bonus IMAX review. Thoughts? Honestly, not much different from the old one. Yeah, it wasn't that impressive. Like, I probably wouldn't make a special trip to just go see another movie. The sound was better than the old one, but apart from that, the screen and everything seems kind. Chairs were very, very comfortable for non-reclining upright chairs. They had new car smell, but the facilities were exquisite inside, the foyer and whatnot. Yeah, that building is beautiful. The wine was nice. <laughs> the popcorn just, just right in the saltiness department. Even though you spilt it everywhere? You just tried to swim in the popcorn? Even though I've got more of it on my pants and my shirt and my seat and on the floor than in my mouth but it was nice big shout out to soda pictures australia for getting us to that one so i was very happy yeah, to see sick. that big for fan. this to be like my our debut imax yeah, yeah. movie i would have been disappointed if it was anything else couldn't have thought of a better debut film like i said go and watch your first experience with this needs to be in a cinema on a big ass screen with epic surround sound 
And then once it hits Apple TV, I'm hoping Ridley gets his way and we get that four-hour director's cut as an option on Apple TV because if we get that, I will watch this again. Yeah, I think it's just non-negotiable to be going to the cinema to see this. Just make the effort. I don't care. I don't care how busy you are. If, if you care enough to see this movie, care enough to put in the effort to go to the cinema. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to the commentary booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Jamie Apps Media and at Parrier Magazine. And you can follow Blake on Twitter at Captain Crumbs with a Z. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Parrier Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Epps.